0: Hello and welcome to the Swansung Project Podcast. My name is Ben Buddy and I'm the founder of the Swansung Project. We're a charity that helps people take them into their lives to write and record their own original songs. If you'd like to find out more about the charity and how you could support us, you can do so on our website, which is swansongproject.co.uk, and you'll also find links to all our social media pages in the description of this episode. Uh, yeah, you can give us a like and a follow and all that stuff. We really appreciate the support. Uh, this podcast features a range of songwriters, and we talk about one of their songs. We talk a little bit about how they wrote that. We talk about um, they give it a songwriting tip that could be useful for the other songwriters, and we also talk about songs meaningful to them in some way, relating to bereavement. This episode features Jerry Tully, and I hope you enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Okay, today I'm here with Jerry Tully. Thanks for joining me, Jerry.
1: Hi, Ben.
2: How are you?
0: I'm very well. Thanks very well. How are you doing?
2: Pleasure to be here. Thanks very much. Yes, I'm enjoying the cold, uh, damp morning over here in, in Ireland. And um, But it's nice and cozy here, and we have coffee. So that's that's fine for me. Yes, that's good. <laughs>
0: good stuff, Jerry. Yeah, I'm looking forward to, to talking to you some more. Uh, you. So, p- people have seen these podcasts before. You'll know we do them in three sections. First, we're going to have one of my guest songs. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about how they wrote that. Um, section two, Jerry's going to share with us a songwriting tip, Might be useful for new songwriters. And then section three, we're going to talk about songs meaningful to Jerry in some way related to bereavement. So um, I'm going to ask you to introduce your song for us now, Jerry, then we'll hear that.
2: Great. Okay. Uh, thanks, Ben. The song I had written is called In Your Eyes. I had written it uh, back in about 2006, I think. I lost it. It was on a piece of paper in my attic and I went to record an album in 2007 and I recorded 12 songs and was looking for a 13th. And my wife got into the attic and found this song and said, you'd forgotten about this. <laughs> so it was really a last minute thing. And I had I'd written it in about, uh, I would say two drafts. One was the first one and I put it away. And then when Caroline, my wife, handed it back to me, I had another look and I changed a couple of things. And that was basically it. The premise of the song is just about someone being in love and not being so sure of things uh, about whether they would commit themselves to being in love forever. And it reflected a lot of how I was at that time as well, I think. So I'd written it quite unconsciously, Mm -hmm. to be quite honest, you know. And um, yeah, have a listen to the song. The song is called In Your Eyes. It turned out to be the the first track on the album, which I did in 2008. Um, The album was called Leaves Float Down, and this was the title track called In Your Eyes.
1: smile Oh Graved me, not hanging round here to remind you. All has stopped, I'm trying to get through. Give me back the bliss of knowing, let me feel the sunshine glowing. And oh, when I see your see your face it makes me smile Oh when I see your face Bye.
0: Great, great stuff. So that was In Your Eyes by Jerry Tully. So yes, you tell us a little bit about um about writing it then. So that's interesting. Yeah, it's, it's funny you know, people losing songs. Um, <laughs> but it does happen, doesn't it? And and you said so when you found it, did you so you imagine you found the sheet of lyrics for it and then did you remember the tune? You said you tweaked it a little bit, was it like
2: It was that way, yes. I, I... I had begun the recording process for the album, and I was looking for songs around my house. So I wasn't sitting down and writing another song and getting, saying, I better write a song for this." I said, I knew I had some stuff somewhere. But at the time I wasn't hugely into computers, so I didn't have anything. I had everything on paper. And like I said, my wife uh, searched uh, the attic and said, I know where there's some page sheets of paper. And this song was on top. So she she had remembered me putting it, I had no clue. Because at the time, I think I was sorting so many things out and I used to just write and write like, like some people call it free writing. Mm. And I would write these things out with the intention of a someday turning it into a song. So I, I did that. And when she got hold of the song again to me, I think I brought it to the guy in the studio. And he, as you would have heard in the song there, I am playing in the key of D, but it drops to a B-flat, which is a nice change. Mm-hmm. When I see your face, it drops to a B-flat and an A minor 7. I didn't put on those chords. He tweaked those chords and suggested them to me. And he said, you could... I was looking for some way of dropping down the chord to, like, stepping down steps. Mm. And it was actually... He came up with that idea, the the guy in the studio.
0: Yeah, it's a really nice um, nice transition, that one.
2: It's a nice little transition, yeah. Yeah, mm. yeah, and I... Um, I found it difficult to play actually because B-flat, uh, <laughs> that was one of the chords when I was, uh, I'm a self-taught guitarist and uh, I, I was so worried about it. The night we launched the album, um, I was saying, jeez, I hope I can hit that B-flat now. I hope I get, it. <laughs> you'll, you'll understand what I mean. It was this, this dreaded chord and I made it yeah. so bad in my mind. But over the years then I just became used to it. And, but that was really the only tweak I have to say. There was not really no tweak in the words. The words were just sitting on the page and it was a question of structure of the melody uh, as to how we, we put it across you know
0: so. okay so you've written you would written the lyrics here before but you didn't have the music for it um, the I first time yeah. okay
2: i had i knew i wanted it to be in a minor key and the the recording we've just listened to there now i've actually tuned the guitar entirely different for that to fill out the sound
1: mm.
2: of the guitar so it is in a minor key but it would be a, a what's called a modal minor key so it's a little bit of two chords I know it sounds strange, but I'm not great at explaining these things either. <laughs> uh, when you have an open tuning, sometimes you, do, you don't get the entire clarity of the chord. You get a portion of a chord and a portion of another chord. That's the best way I can explain it, I suppose. But So I did that purposely to make this recording. But uh, it would be in the standard B minor key. Uh, in the original recording on the album, it would be like that, you know. And I knew I wanted the song to start there because there was a kind of a, a sadness to the song. Mm -hmm. so minor chords are good for that but then it brightened up so I brought it to a major key and a major seventh key when I was uh, in the chorus when I see your face it makes me smile
1: Mm.
2: you know and I I remember thinking oh that's a bit that's a bit silly of a thing to say everybody knows that don't they (laughs) I had to be nudged and so no that's the words of the song you know yeah it's
0: it's a really nice line I think um, it's one like I don't know sometimes there's lines that like feel quite you know like quite a normal thing to say, something I think Dylan's great at, of like, it's not like a overly poetic or fancily worded phrase, but it's just a really true sentiment and... Yeah, um,
2: that's why I was so uncertain, mm. you know, and we'd been talking just a few minutes before the podcast about being uncertain about things, and I think most of my life has been that way. (laughs) Uh, You know, because I had written down a heartfelt subject, a heartfelt line, I thought, Oh sure, everybody must know that. There's no need. I need to dig in further, mm. but you don't. And I think we'll get on to that. It was going to be my, my songwriting tip, I think, as well for the day.
0: Oh, cool, yeah. yeah
2: how how to, to come about these things? Um, yeah, don't so, search too deeply.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think sometimes there's a temptation to be more complicated than needed, and to try and try and um, fluff things up there, and make them sound. That's right. That. Yeah.
2: In order to validate them in some way, you know, mm. that they must be, you know, it must be profound. But, but profundity is not not hidden away. And I know you go to libraries to find these things, but to be profound is just to be clear into your thinking and what you want and stuff, you know. Yeah. So it was so clear on the page to me that I couldn't see it. And I probably would have fooled around with it had I not been told. No, they're nice words. Don't don't fool around with those, you know. So. Yeah,
0: and it's the benefit of having a good producer as well. You know, someone who up yes. yeah. what you need. And when you're yourself working on something, you can get lost in things. And sometimes you just have to say, that's, that's it, that's what we need. Yeah.
2: A hundred percent that's it, I think an an outside view, you know, from somebody else who who's who's listening in clearly yeah you know what I mean? and 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 take the advice, yeah,
1: yeah,
2: yeah be able to take the advice right. <laughs> it, it turned out to be the first song on the album, you know what I mean, that I had done, and I, I hadn't intended to be on the album. I thought I had much more meaningful things to say, and while I do feel they were somewhat heartfelt, I don't like some of the songs on my al- my own album today as mm-hmm. much as. Say the first three or four songs, you know. And I think I should have went with an EP, perhaps. But I was so anxious to get these things out at the time, so they were ordered correctly, you know. when mm. I asked; uh, it was Caroline, my wife, ordered the songs on the album, and she put that one first. Uh, so the last you'll be first, and the first shall be last, <laughs> <As they say. laughs> you know. So uh, yeah, I like it. I like that song.
0: So. Yeah, it's another thing I always find really interesting when you do it like an album of songs of not knowing what the lifespan of the songs are going to be. You know, like, this is something you write in an album and you, like, you really like all the songs. You're like, yeah, it's going to be great. And then when we find it with, with my band, like, yeah, you write a song, it's just is good it's going to be. Then we, just, we notice that sometimes we just don't play them. And then we're like, we we'll realise, like, oh, I've we'll not played that song in a while. I really like that one. And then we'll go back to it. But like, I think there's some reason why you kind of like certain songs come to mind that you're going to play them more often than others. Absolutely. Uh,
2: Absolutely yes, you're, you're, you're right about that. There, there's. I found that I did the same thing. I was so worried when I produced the album myself. I've written several other albums, but I just haven't done anything towards producing one Mm -hmm. since that time. I I was so stressed by it. I felt I was doing it all on my own. And I I kind of was, and I was focusing on the money I'd spent to try and do it. At a time when uh, it was 2007 and 2008 I launched the album, it was just before the crash had happened for, for England, Ireland, for everywhere. This crash had happened, financial crash. And I knew things were gonna get difficult, you know? But I was anxious to get it out there and I hoped that people would take to it. And while they did, it didn't have the impact I was hoping for, and I realized that it was just a mountain of cash. And that's when I realized that writing songs is not about cash, it's about the quality of the song and what you need to say. And that's timeless, mm-hmm. I think. Whether you sing it or not every time, you know? I've watched other folk musicians. Um, One guy springs to mind, Christy Moore. You will have heard of Christy Moore, I'm sure. And he says, oh, I took this one out of the bag. It's been dormant for a few years, but now I found it again. And I put it back in my set list. And I find I do that with songs. Whether I've written them myself or not, they mean something to me now. They've been singing them that long. Mm. And I find that um, I've often dropped off my own songs in favor of just a better song. And I don't feel bad about that you know someone wrote this wonderful song that says a lot of things that I haven't managed to say in my writing so great let's use that you know I think that's yeah. one of the beauties of it you know but then I come back to a song that I'd written a long time ago and I might give it an airing for a few gigs you know mm. and I enjoy yeah. that then you know what I mean so so I, I, yeah. I do see that point it it has lasting you know
0: yeah yeah it's, it's such an interesting uh the life, life of a song, really, and where it comes and goes. And yeah. like I say, sometimes you revisit one, and yeah, it's got a whole new meaning to you. Or, or right. sometimes, like I find, you know, like if, I, if I've improved musically, it means I can do the song better. I can add a different, a different thing to it that I couldn't do before. <laughs> and then all, all of a sudden, it's like, oh yeah, this is, oh, I'm enjoying playing this now. It's got yes. sounds a bit better than it did before.
2: One hundred percent, that's right. I was, I was going to say, the song shouldn't matter in the commercial world. Mm. You know, if you bring them to the commercial world, that's one thing. But the song should matter on a deeper level first. You know, and I think that's an important thing. And then, as you say, when you improve in your playing and stuff, the songs are in flux because if I go to hear you playing a gig, you could play something that you'd recorded three years ago, but play it completely different. And it's better somehow, you know. Another, another musical uh, person I admire is, is Leonard Cohn, and I've mm-hmm. seen him play live and I've watched his live concerts, and he doesn't hold fast to any particular way of putting the song together if you've got musicians who can do certain things let's play it that way that's the beauty of it you know and and i'm appealing to your your listeners here today as well to it it can be in flux you can have the bones of a song down for 30 years Mm -hmm. and decide i'm going to play it a different way or change all the majors for minors or vice versa and have fun with it that's yeah it's still it's still your song it's still good and valid for the right reasons
0: yeah, yeah, that's really good. Um, and I like sometimes you see it with, with uh, great artists. You see that song evolve over the years, and I think Cohen's a great example of uh, lots of his songs. Yeah, when you see him performing them in his later days, were, like completely different songs to how he yeah. started off. Um, and I remember hearing a uh, Dylan quote, what I we really liked was, apparently Dylan still writes verses for his old songs, so when he's live, you he might you might sing a completely new verse of Mister Danbury Man or something like that. Yes. And I remember I'm sure I heard someone someone asking me about it. He said, you know, I didn't write them in stone, so I can just keep writing them if I feel like there's a new new yeah. section to it. Off the way there, why not?" <laughs>
2: uh, that's so cool. I think Cohen was similar in, in mm. his way. You know, I know that when I do a live gig, uh, even these I've been doing some gigs online um, on Sunday evening. I've been just playing around and playing for whoever wants to watch on in a live gig. But anybody who's watching those things, a musician in particular, will know. I'm not hard and fast, about any rules or I never was, you know, and, and to reproduce something 100% every time is an excellent ability, but it leaves you almost like a traditional player where you're upholding tradition rather than having fun with the music, mm-hmm. you know, and, and uh, I know you've been to Ireland and you will have heard traditional music being played. They're conveying a tradition and rightly so, but what matters after that is style and vigor, and, and who the player is, a lot can be said in, in in those things, you know. So when Cohen and Dylan and people like that, I think Dylan's chord is excellent. He, they're not written in stone; they're they're songs to be enjoyed.
0: Yeah, and and I would think for them they're alive and they're uh, moving in different, you know, like they're, they're growing in different ways and That's different very experiences good. in them. Yeah, yeah. and um, I just want to say that yeah, people. i I'll, I'll tag' tagged obviously your pages and stuff in this, but I yeah, uh, I'm not tuned in myself yet to one of your Sunday students that I'm very keen to, but. I've heard lots of very good things about them there. Uh, that's how Jerry got on the show. My mum's a big fan of Jerry's uh, Sunday big, Live big. concerts. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I would recommend people tune into them. And I'll put links to the album you mentioned. Is that available online somewhere?
1: The
2: album is available online. Yeah, it's available all over. Yeah, yes, it is. Um, like I said, I recorded it in 2007, released in 2008, and i have been working hard ever since from that time. And um, the crash had happened, and I'd spent lots of money and everything else. <laughs> which was, look, that was just an aside that has nothing really to do with songwriting it was me making a stab at, at getting somewhere in the music industry it's a whole other ballgame yeah, yeah. so uh, again, I'm, a, I'm, I'm talking to your, your listeners, I'm sure you're aware of this music, you're in music for the long haul, it's, it's, a, it's a wondrous thing every day it's just when it pops up in the commercial world it's a diff, slightly different thing you have to hold the threads of what you love together when you're in the commercial world when you get home to your own area like i have my area here you have yours that's where music exists and that's where creativity and everything else exists all of the time to not take the rest of it too seriously yeah Yeah. i know some people might say how can you say that i mean when you get far enough along the road of life you begin to see that if there's going to be value in this every day the value has to come from you have to be enjoying it yeah not trying to prove yourself or trying to be better than the next guy don't judge just enjoy yeah better things come from
0: that. That's great advice, Jerry. I think it's a good thing for people to kind of just be aware of, you know, if they're getting into music, of like, what are you getting into it for? Like, are you getting into it because you want to play music and enjoy it? Or are you getting into it for, like, if you want to try and have a commercial success or you know, whatever. And I mean, they're all valid in their own way, but if you kind of know, then you, you know, like, if you're doing it for your own personal, because you enjoy doing it, then don't worry about the commercial side of it. Because if, you want, if you want to worry about that, that's a whole other set of rules yes. <laughs> that are very different from the yes. um, personal enjoyment.
2: That's actually something I remember Dylan saying in, in one of his, we, we both would have listened in, who, who wouldn't listen in to Dylan anyway? <laughs> but I, I remember him saying, we were there to play the gig and someone had, had said to him, well, all these other iconic people like himself were there. And he said, well, we were there to play our song. So he seems to have his feet firmly on the ground of what he's, he's supposed to be there doing, you know what I mean? He, he's not. Yeah floating on a cloud of fame or some sort of immaterial. You know, this, this perception that someone is more special. Oh, he's wonderful. Well, look, there's lots of people who are more wonderful and we'll never hear about them because they're probably doing very valid, important jobs in life that people are, are uh, getting value from. You know what I mean? They're just, they're not in everybody's sitting room every night on television. Yeah. That's the only <laughs> difference. Yeah. It's equally valid. It's equally valid. That's, I think, the point I'm trying to make, you know.
0: Yeah, definitely.
2: So it's the personal venture rather than the public one.
0: Yeah. Great stuff. Um, so let's move into section two now, Jerry. So, this is where I ask uh, my guests to share with us a songwriting tip that might be useful for new songwriters. Uh, yeah. So, what would your, your tip be for us, Jerry? You alluded to it a
2: little bit uh, earlier. I have a couple of tips for you. I have a tip about the physical act of songwriting, and I think I've just given you my other tip. <laughs> if you want to succeed in songwriting, you must this is my first tip is to succeed in songwriting. Persist in your efforts to, to clean up the words and to distill I'm saying those words quite clearly to distill what you're trying to say. And if if you begin with a page and it turns out to be two sentences, then you've done a great job.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> and you can add to it, you know. So to watch out for your, your editing skills and distilling what it is you really want to say. In a song and not to harp on too long <laughs> about it and there doesn't need to be a chorus every time to have a really good song
1: mm-hmm.
2: you don't have to go through the conventions to have really really good songs if you look online and say how do you write a song people say a verse a chorus a verse a chorus, a bridge a chorus and you're out and that's fine but if you want to say something more meaningful you can actually change the structure of that and use less words and have a better song. So that's my writing tip, is to So play around with the rules. That's yeah. What, what you would imagine to be the standard.
0: That's really good. I think I think that kind of links to what we were just saying about a lot of time yes. though, is kind of this is how you write a song. It's based on this is how you write a pop song. That what nice. yeah. It like should be three minutes, twelve seconds, or whatever the radio play <laughs> <laughs> proper time is. That's right. Yeah. Hook yeah. at this time, and but then it's and so people can get lost in that. That's how you've got to write a song, don't they? but it's as you say, it's like that's how you can write you can write a song if you're aiming for a particular thing, but...
2: Now you're talking, about that. that's right. Um, I'm going to ask you... Commercial this... success, that's a good way. Because mm. it's radio friendly then because of the time and it's upbeat and it's all these things that match the radio. But that's not the reason to write a song unless you're following that pursuit. Yeah, yeah. And I think, and especially with, with the Swan Song Project, it's much more to do with self-expression, inner self. And that's what it means to me. That's why I don't want... When I began playing music, I wanted to be famous. I thought that's how you're a great songwriter or famous. So my, my philosophy was all over the place. If you're famous, you must be a great songwriter. Not at all. You can have a great time if you just hone it down to what you really want to say. And it'll last. It'll, it will last, you know. It yeah. doesn't matter if just your family read it or see it. Or if you become a world household name, that's wonderful for you. But the song still exists. You know? Yeah, definitely. Important thing. But play with the structure, I think, was my, my tip. One question I was going to ask
0: you about that, so I really like what you said about distilling. Um yeah. I think that's a really um, important part of songwriting. It's something what I think, I think Cohen is my open yes. hero for that. I feel like his song sometimes is one line, and again, I'll come back from year after year, and it's just like more and more is revealed out of one line, which... Um, that's
2: a very good point. That's right. Yes. Um,
0: that's what I feel like. He's just kind of like, just an expert, pouring like a vast amount of experience and emotion into a very short, concise sentence. Um, but I was going to ask to give you, if you have any tips about about how you go about doing that in your own writing if there is there any kind of methods or things about knowing knowing when you get into that distilled version um.
2: yes i think that the tip i can offer you and it's it's very prevalent in my own career because if you listen to some of the songs on on my album i'm not suggesting that you go off and listen to songs but if you if if you ever do listen in on them the first four songs like i was saying on my album are quite well structured and i like them i'm very pleased with them Some of the other songs could have done with some more thought. Some of them, uh, many of the songs, I'm surrounded by paper here and (laughs) songs and stuff, and many of them are unfinished thoughts. So that's, um, I think, a tip for doing that would be to write. If you could write 50 or 60 verses, then do that and then cut away. Or uh, a Beatles tip was to actually cut up the verses or cut up the lines physically with a scissors cut them up into separate sentences, and move them around to see does the actual, what you're trying to say, come out in a different way. Yes. So that's the f- a form of a physical distillation. You can cut and paste now, of course, on a computer screen. Move it around, um, see if that's really what you want to say, and if you're not sure, write another verse, write another verse, keep going, keep going, until you run out of things to say about the subject. So, re- now, I mean, you could go outrageously long in a song, but you're only constructing. Mm. So wouldn't it be lovely to have everything said by the time you got to the end where you got down to three verses and a bridge or whatever you want whatever way it's structured and really have said and know that i wrote those verses and they didn't really matter but i know that because i did it yeah not to be listening to it later and say oh i could have written a verse there forgot about that so do it all at the beginning spend the time on the construction construction doesn't mean making it perfect in the first go-up means making a vast amount of rubbish and compiling and distilling a good song out of all of that is yeah that, i think that's what i'm trying to say anyway it's what yeah. i would do yeah
0: that's great that's great advice Jack. i think just uh, to show
2: yeah. you i have i have little things here look and i write and write and write and write i know this is a pretty new one but i would put lots and lots of stuff into my pages yeah and then maybe it all means nothing I'll say, i'm not writing a song about that or i might turn around then and say yeah that's a great line i'd work on that yeah but i that's think i tip
0: yeah, that's really good. I think it can t- it can take quite a lot of discipline to do that, can't it? If sometimes, you know, like you, c- you can write something, well, that's, that'll do. But then like to make yourself feel like, actually, no, that's not actually saying what I want to say. That's I'm going I to write it. some more. And then, and also I think being comfortable with throwing stuff away. I think that's something what um, is a lesson people like, it t- sometimes takes a bit of learning of like, you you know, being a songwriter isn't just writing gold all the time. You don't just write, write, it no. doesn't just flow out like that you write lots of stuff and then you throw away the rubbish and you take the goods that's from it. Right. Yes. Um, and there's, so there's there's value in that process because um, even the stuff that you throw away, you've learned from it because you've written something and you've yes. learned right. from those lines and you've realized whether that's useful or not and, and it's directed just towards what you didn't want to
2: say. That's the, that's the point I was trying to make. It's actually guiding you towards, so all the time you're honing in on what, you, what it is. You may not know what you really want to say until you get there and the line is written and you say, So even you're surprised about you said. that's what that's what it was all along and when you read back over your stuff that's where you were aiming for all the time so your brain is conjuring this thing all the time so get out of your own way in your minds and just put it down on the page and when you suggest throwing it away everyone says you know i better throw my stuff away throwing it away I'm, i'm again for your listeners means really put it to one side you don't have to use it in this particular event but you don't have to physically shred it you just leave it there. It might come back in another year's time or 10 years or whatever. So yeah, hold it there. You know what I mean? So yeah, it, it all has value, you know, it oh, all yeah. has value. So I, somebody also said one, run writer had said uh, just a little point for you there to, in editing was uh, somebody, don't know who it was. Some famous writer had said, kill your darlings, mm. <laughs> which, which meant that when you think you have something great on a page and you haven't said what you really want to say yet, get rid. And that's a very hard thing to do. You are pointing that out there in it. <laughs> Definitely. So, that's the trick. If you can learn to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Turn over a new leaf and start again with the same idea. Leave it yeah. there.
0: There's a, um, another one of my favourite Leonard Cohen quotes, um, which kind of links to this, where he was talking about finishing a song. And, yeah, like, he was so, like, beautifully articulate and everything he said. So I'm, going to, I'm going to paraphrase it, badly. But it was something about finishing a song and feeling satisfied about it. And he said, but then, when I was really honest with myself, I realized my satisfaction was coming from my relief from boredom rather than my satisfaction <laughs> with the song. Because exactly, <laughs> so I do yes. I'm finished, and I feel good about it. But I feel good because I'm not working on the song anymore, rather than because the song is what I wanted to do with it. So then he made himself go back to it <laughs> until he was satisfied with it.
2: And that's another point. It, it people uh, I know that when I was starting off in this business and everything, I was so aware that people were thinking. Well, I thought people were thinking, what a lazy. Fool, he's sitting down to write songs, you know. What a useless pursuit! When you get into the bones of writing down a song, uh, as it's, this, it's like Socrates would say, giving birth, it's horrendous, <laughs> especially if you're onto something good because you think you're it's like a balancing act you're playing on a page. Yeah, I, that's really, I like that, I like that a lot, but I can't think what I need to say next. So, you do have to wrestle it from yourself, you know, and when you come away from it having done a decent job. I can see what Cohen would mean. It's it's like getting off work. It's like clocking yeah. out at the end of the day. I said, no, thank God, I'm finished with that." So I do agree with that wholeheartedly. You know, yeah. And I wouldn't be well known as a songwriter compared to Leonard Cohen, but I entirely agree with the feeling and the sentiment that he's having as a well-known songwriter. So so being well known is irrelevant. The yeah. Process is the same.
0: Process is the That's same. What, I'm
2: saying, you yeah. know what I mean, and trying to make that distinction between he, f- I know how he feels
0: yeah and again it's something what like it comes up in swan song a lot and i you're know, and um your people i'm working with that it doesn't matter what yeah you know, what level of fame or um financial thing or whether it's with songwriting like some people i'm working with there they're them writing a song it's just the same as then the co writing a song that's and, right yeah like it's it, he's still doing the same thing he might have more tools that he's familiar with in yeah. terms of his but he was still doing the same thing he's still writing a song and each that's one's right. just as valid to, um, to, the, to the to the writer and to the audience, I guess. Even if you know somebody's got a much bigger audience, but it's it's not about the size of the audience; it's about the impact it makes with, with the listeners. Even if that's just one person. One
2: hundred percent. If you go to the well of your own psyche, Cohen has just gone there more times. Yeah. If you listen to what I'm saying while we are talking about Leonard Cohen, he's much more tortured soul because he spends more time at the area where he knows little about. Mm much more time digging in there. So in your, especially in the Swan Song Project, <coughs> and well, certainly in my own life, I know people who have gone through their entire lives, like my own parents, and they wouldn't have gone to that area in their minds to question themselves or to ask what life is all about. They would have got on with it. So when you come to a time in your life when you're forced to look at that area, whether you're 20 or 50 or whatever age, it's like a new frontier, a new horizon in yourself. There's so much in there that you don't know. And if you go there, it's equally as important. You're mining in the same mine as every other person. So whether you're a world famous songwriter or you're a guy sitting in a cafe, you're at the same coal face. You're still there. Yeah. So you know what I mean. And I, just to make everyone aware of that, it's it's so valid and important. Definitely, yeah,
0: yeah. Focused. That's beautifully put,
2: Jerry. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's my other tip. That's <laughs> Yeah, thank if you. If you're that's... going to go there, it, be aware. It's it's not a foolish <laughs> thing to do, and it doesn't. Ref- it, you won't know what it reflects until you get in there. Mm. So you have to dig in, you
0: know. Yeah, that's brilliant, Jerry. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, yeah so let's uh, let's move into section three now, sure. So This is where um, I ask my guests to share with us a song that's meaningful to them in some way relating to bereavement. Um, so I'll ask Jerry to introduce it in a moment, and then I'll put the link for the song in the description. So if you're listening to this at home and you want to, if you're not familiar with the song, you probably a bit of a listen. You can do it you Come back. We'll have a lot of chat about it. Yeah. So um, what song did you choose for us, Jerry?
2: So I chose a song that, um, when you asked me about, uh, to choose a song, I initially was thinking about, I was being selfish and thinking of myself, but in the last two years I've lost both my parents. Um, My dad died in 2018, he was a singer and he never wrote songs, but he was a singer and a performer all his life. Um, He worked a day job, but he performed at night for years and years and years. And I was immediately taught I'd go there and, and look for one of his rock and roll numbers mm. but actually it was my mother who only died last January and just gone past it there now and she used to sing this uh, ABBA song called I Have a Dream and it's so many of the lines in it because I've heard her sing so many times allude to the life I think that she was craving <clears throat> in her own life I have a dream my mm. the dream you'll hear it in the song and it just reminds me so much of her and I think uh, that's something that hit home with me when I finally clicked so this is ABBA's, I Have a Dream.
0: Great stuff, yes. If you're watching, you want to go listen to the song, come back. We're going to have a bit more chat about it. Um, yeah, that was... Uh, so your mum used to sing it as well. Was your mum a performer as well, or was it more of just a...
2: Much more in the in the Irish way, where she, if she was out with a few friends, she'd have a sing song, or if she was having a few drinks in the bar, she'd sing, you know. Um, you, you might be aware of uh, Irish culture has that kind of way of knitting together in a community where they say, you have a song, and, Oh yeah you have a song now and everyone seems to be a genius performer (laughs) (laughs) you go to places where the most unexpected things happen and someone will take out a guitar or a banjo and they're superb you think geez why aren't you on the world stage so anyway my, my mom would be in those circumstances quite a bit um many years ago she was anyway and that was the song she would sing i always felt it meant something more to her than just singing a song for people to hear and say oh that's lovely Mm. It meant something to her. It was poetic to her, so it might have been a song that she would have written if she was really, yeah, trying to write songs. That'd be the kind of sentiment she would express, I think. You know, so yeah. that's why I chose it. You know,
0: yeah, yeah. Thank you. It's a great choice. Um, and it's always nice when there's songs like that, the where you feel like someone's chose it for, for multiple reasons, right? and it feels like um, authentic. You know, them singing it, feeling authentic yes. in the meaning of it as well. Uh,
2: yeah, she made it her own when she sang it. You know, mm. it wasn't a groundbreaking, She wasn't a Shirley Bassey type performer. She wasn't one of those big sounds. She just sang the song normally, but she loved the sentiment behind it, and I think it hit a chord with her. And then if it didn't matter to the she just mind whether people liked it or not. She loved to sing it. You know. <laughs> yeah, that's
0: song. great. There's something me and Jerry talking about before we started the podcast was that um, yeah, the, the thing, especially in Irish culture, of everyone everyone doing a song and just sitting around, just passing a guitar around and. Yeah. like so, my family's like that in Ireland um, and she love it and it's and in it the field and the lack of any perceived hierarchy in it is a beautiful thing and like say like so I've I being surprised with my family before where like you know no one's ever mentioned that the musical at all Then like, you have one of these things and the to a song it's amazing you're <laughs> like you know it's like right, yes, yeah. it's just it's just kind of like people just enjoy enjoy having a sing song it's not about yeah, performer and audience it's just we're all gonna do do a little bit even if you just got the one song that you like to do yeah, that's, uh, that's great. It's your
2: party piece, they would call it, we would call it, you know, give us your party piece there, you know, and the the few beers would help to break down the walls
1: of yeah.
2: unfamiliarity and then suddenly, oh, you can play, here's my guitar and, and they can play, wow, and you're going, so you're you're having a wonderful time before you know it, you know what I mean, especially if you enjoy this invisible web of music and, and swapping of ideas and what it is to be human. That's what I found out. But it was only lately, after I spent years doing it, that I realized what it was meaning to me. Because I I tried letting go of music in the past. I spent a long time uh, doing meditation and tried to let go of everything that I had in my head about myself. And I let go of music. I let go of performance. I let go of um, the commercial side. I let go of all of those things. And I said, if it's going to be worthwhile, it'll come back to me. And some of it did and some of it didn't. But it was only then that I realised how important a role music had been playing in my own social life, my personal life. My only form of expression was music. And I didn't realise that because I was running headlong. I was young. I was running around trying to play gigs and trying to get noticed and everything like that. <laughs> and all the while music was supporting me and I didn't realise it until I stood back and had a look at the, the importance of it. You know. So I found that to be brilliant. And, and Irish culture is, has a web of that around it going on uh, at least it it had i don't know if it's i think it's a bit different now with a new generation of people and they're not exposed in the same way as when i was growing up in the 70s and 80s it was the very fabric of life you know it was important almost to sing a song or to have a song a party piece to play yeah i'm not sure about that nowadays but um it's it's still vital for me at least you know
0: yeah yeah i think that's beautifully put jerry i think it's uh, yeah hopefully it helps other people listening to it to have those same realizations and i guess it's kind of that thinking about why why you do something and, and I guess acknowledging how important part of it is to you yeah. in those different ways is, uh, is beautiful.
2: Uh, absolutely. If you, if you look behind me there, there's guitars from different regions and eras in my own life and there's one belonging to me dad and it stretches back into history for me, but it's only when I stood away from it. So I'm, I'm trying probably to tell your listeners to not discount in any way or not to, especially with the Swan Song Project. It's not a grasp at something Oh, it's something to do. This is really meaningful, and, and for people, you know, who are not perhaps to dealing directly with you in the Swan Song Project, take on songwriting, to take on the challenge of writing something you want to say. Not to write a hit, to write something you want to say, and see the difficulty and the, and I promise you it'll be a challenge. Yeah. You'll feel uncomfortable when you're doing it. <laughs> it really? no, I promise anyone listening that, uh, if, if you if you go headlong into it, and put some effort, you know, some time. It's, it's a tough job. So it's,
0: yeah, but it's worth it in the end.
2: You will get to know yourself. Yeah. You'll get to know lots about yourself so you with songwriting, yeah, yeah, and you'll see the value of it, yeah. So yeah. It's really good.
0: Great stuff. Cool, yeah, yeah well, thanks a lot for your time, good Jerry. Good. I really appreciate it. It's really nice talking to you.
2: I've had a lovely time talking to you as well, so I yeah. haven't, I could. It's, I'm an Irishman. It's hard to stop me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, we, could
0: do, we could do a lot longer, couldn't we? <laughs> we
1: could, yeah, but, yeah.
2: Uh, it's been a real pleasure, and uh, I want to wish you very, very well. It's a superb project you've got going. I'd only heard about it through a recent meeting and, and meeting with your mom and everything, and I admire you and applaud you for what you're doing. Oh, thank
1: Daniel.
0: you very much, Jerry. Thank you, and I look forward to tuning into one of your uh, your shows, hopefully on a Sunday soon. Um, Send
2: low and we we we'll, we'll have a wave. <laughs>
0: yeah, virtual <laughs> wave. Yeah, yeah great stuff. And I'll tag all your pages in so any listeners can go and follow uh, follow Jerry and uh, tune into his his shows as well.
2: Cheers, and thanks to your listeners. And do dig in. There's lots more invisible stuff happening than (laughs) somewhere. Thanks very much.
0: Thanks, Jerry. Uh, Thanks for tuning in, everyone. I'll be back with another episode soon.